For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. I had a conversation with a couple of BuildWit folks just about like some branding things. I'll give a little meta uh, introduction here. Yeah. And they said, "Do you want to? Do you think we just need to like brainstorm some names for like the Monday podcast?" Then no, it is called Dirt Talk Monday Edition. That is set in stone it's at as, this point. It's as clever as it gets. <laughs> it's like I don't. I just don't think we can really take it away now. It's just how it starts. See, we just talked about using our resources effectively. That's an ineffective use of creative resources. Because <laughs> let's see, if we come up with something better. <laughs> yeah, it's as creative as it gets. So let's put those resources elsewhere. Yeah. Case closed, here, guys. I mean, could it be any more clear? How do you uh, feel about the podcast overall? Since you've we've, I guess, to give everybody a little look behind the scenes. We've changed where the podcast sits within BuildWit we have. a little bit. You were within marketing. Now you're within the media business. Media team, which yeah. is cool. How's that shaking out? I think it's great. The biggest thing that I am, am seeing and noticing is that if we treat the podcast as like a product, because you kind of have to do that, even though it's like a lot of it is you and I having conversations, you having conversations with people in the dirt world. Yeah. It's still at the end is like a product in the way that a TV show is a product or a movie or whatever. So it's like, well, then it probably makes sense that that would be with the media team because that's how the media team approaches any other project. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, they're making videos for partners. They're uh, doing videos for, um, they're working on the vlogs that you do, the scoop, um, any anything like that. They're thinking about it as like a, a production piece. And now bringing the podcast to that, it's like, in hindsight, that makes way too much sense. Mm-hmm. But because the podcast has kind of always existed on its own, it's like, well, maybe it's a marketing piece because it is, you know, yeah. like we uh, people find us through the Dirt Talk podcast, which Definitely. is so cool. Yeah. So, miraculously. <sighs> Somehow. Yeah, we, we listen to you guys all the time. Like, I am so sorry. About like, that. wow. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Are you sure? Do you want yeah, to? Yeah. Um, but so all this to say, I think it's it's really great and it's exciting. And I think starting to like really roadmap kind of where we go from here, I think is is really exciting too. It should to. It should really pick up steam from here now yeah. that everything's starting. The dust is starting to settle a little bit on the transition. And so full disclosure, here at BuildWit, we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. So, Underline that. Highlight that. Yeah, big time. So traditionally speaking, the marketing department would have all of the media within it. But we have this media business, and that's really where the company began mm-hmm. is media. So we have build it. We have we have three three divisions: build with media, build with services, build with software, and then we have different support departments. And so that's marketing, customer success, finance, systems, people. I think are the 
overarching support mechanisms yeah. for that. And uh, so, yeah, traditionally podcasts is like, yeah, of course it'd be going with marketing. Where else would it go? But since we have this big media production business, since our company's weird, well, let's put it over there because it just aligns a little bit better. Yeah. And then marketing can support on top of that rather than having to worry about the whole the whole thing. Media can do what it's good at, telling stories, media work. Marketing can do what it's good at, growing, yeah, getting the word out. Well, and I think what's an, an interesting comparison to the dirt world, you know, I think we, we hear a lot of conversations and talk a lot about like there's like the field team and then the office team. And we're obviously trying to avoid like the the phrase, which I think is very popular right now when you talk about businesses, people being siloed. Yeah. Or us versus them. Us versus them. And more it's just like these people worry about the things that they need to worry about. These people worry about the things that they need to worry about. And when they need to collaborate because it makes the whole thing better, they do that thing. Mm-hmm. But they also there's not somebody on, you know, the media team spending any real uh, brain space over something marketing's doing because that's not their responsibility. Like their responsibility is to do, you know, what's on their list. Correct. And so I think what's awesome is we continue to grow. And as I've, you know, Harrison and I have been absorbed into the media team. It's like, oh, I should I should be focusing on their talk in the way that, you know, we're focusing on it more now and we'll continue to do so. Um, so I think that's it's it's been fun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a team full of people who make stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly can relate to that. You brought up something important to note too, the vlog. I feel like the vlog's in a really good spot. So YouTube right now, full bore, ladies and germs. Get on there. Uh, so if you haven't checked out YouTube, just search Aaron Wood on YouTube. You'll find the vlog. It's full bore right now. We've been going uh, through the Europe videos. So I think we published the third or maybe the fourth one's getting published today of seven or eight. Yeah. It's pretty substantial, everything we have going on. And I know so many people, they talked about the midnight. Oh, is there going to be a video about the airport demolition project or was. this project or that project? Now, just about everywhere I go, the answer will be yes, there's going to be a video about this. And then, yes, we understand you all want longer videos. And we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. It just takes a little bit to shake things out. But I feel like it's to the point now where... Okay, we are on our way. So if you haven't checked out the latest vlogs, check them out because they're some of the my favorite media work we've done. They're super fun. Yeah. Uh, there was one that I think Chell sent out to uh, people on the media team. They're like, hey, watch this. We got to get a couple things approved, but it'll be out soon about another part of your trip to Europe. And everybody was like, that did not feel like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit. Yeah. And like, that's a fun thing to kind of be a part of, especially when you're not really working on it, but you're just like a adjacent to it. That you're like, man, like this is the next step for us. I can't wait to see what the next piece is. You know? That's it. Yeah, I've wanted cool. to get the vlog consistent for years now. That's why I hired Angel originally yeah. <laughs> was to go produce a vlog because yeah. I was running around the country with my camera, visiting all these cool job sites. I wanted someone to document it from a video standpoint. But then we got swooped into making money yeah. with video. How do you be a business? <laughs> and, and having to create yeah. legitimate projects. and that quickly became more important because that was paying everybody's way. And then Matt Briscoe came on, but Matt Briscoe, he's young. We were learning together. He had no support. It was just him. So we were doing our best. But then now the vlog was absorbed again by the media, formally by the media division of BuildWit. And all of BuildWit's creative resources have been applied to the vlog in some sense. 
and it's really off to the races. Yeah, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, plenty of things to see on YouTube about BuildWit. Dirt Talk Podcasts, uh, the vlog, the scoop, which is pretty fun. Yes. Yeah, we changed the format of that this week. That's not going to exist anymore. It's just different now. No, there's always going to be the scoop, okay. but no one cared. Originally, we were talking about BuildWit stuff, uh, but then no one cared about it. Oh, good. Which is which is fine. And, and that's a common thread in my life, just in general, about no one caring. But uh, we said, why don't we just say, well, why don't we just answer questions and do dumb things weekly right? Uh, regarding our YouTube videos? So if you comment on our YouTube videos asking question, that'll go into the scoop and we'll have an opportunity to interact and answer people. They ask you answer. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that something? There's something to that. Some, something to it? Mm-hmm. Cool. We're working on all kinds of stuff here right now, which is super fun. Yes. We're going to see people all over the nation. When's your next overseas trip? Is that doubted? So I go to Canada in August. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tentatively. Tentatively. Um, still working on confirming that one. And then I go to Europe again in October for Balma. Sick. Mm-hmm. Fun, man. Well, that's going to be plenty of blog content. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Are you going to go see Taylor White when you're in Canada? No. Oh, you're in another part of yeah, Canada. Yeah, he's right. in a... I need to do a separate Canada trip for the region he's in. Yeah, Canada kind of big. <laughs> yes, but I didn't realize how close he was. I just view Canada as like way up there. And a lot of it is way up there. But then you look at a map, Nashville, Toronto, eh, it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. So, and I think he's over on kind of the eastern part of the country. I'm sorry. I'm a stupid American. Yeah, we, we don't know any geography. No, we just know. America. We just know the song about the state's names. That's about yeah, all we've got. I can tell you this the state capital of Maryland, which serves no purpose whatsoever. Yeah. But what is the state capital of Maryland? Put An- you on the spot. Annapolis. There it is. Yeah. I was just there the other day. Ooh, I was gonna say that was a lot of pressure. It's like, yeah, I can definitely tell you this the state capital of Delaware. In theory. And Dover. I would say don't do yeah, yeah. Boom. Man, this guy's locked in, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we could just do every state that way, but there will be a cut in between where you have to look it up. But it would be edited to look like you knew. We've got two pretty, um, I would say, I wouldn't say heavy questions, but I would say that. Medium uh, duty. Ripe for conversation. Hmm. Uh, So I think we can just jump right in, man. First question is from Joel. Joel says, it's been proven that a lot of companies are enticing new talent with more money. This can sometimes lead to new people getting paid more for doing the same job that their counterparts do who have been at the company for an extended period of time. Does this mean that loyalty is overrated to some extent and that people should shop around even if it's just to keep management honest? I think the good companies will raise everybody accordingly is what I've seen because that's a really, people find out about that. So if you're a company thinking that you're going to be able to keep that quiet, it's not going to stay quiet. Mm -hmm. So throw that idea out the window. I think companies that just approach it from a sense of let's just do the right thing would raise everybody across the board and you wouldn't have that happening at those the great companies I'm thinking of, like C.W. Matthews, for example, or I don't know who it would be. But I think the great companies we've worked with, we know they would sit there and acknowledge that we need to raise everybody across the board accordingly. Yeah. So I I don't know. I, loyalty is definitely not overrated. Loyalty is fantastic. And it's a really good feeling when you can trust who you work for and they can trust you. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic place for everybody to be. And it is without a doubt in your best interest. So I would say it's not a bad idea to go elsewhere 
if where you work sucks and that loyalty is just not being reciprocated whatsoever and you've done everything you can to earn it, but it's just still not coming your way. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't go at it from a shopping around standpoint because that is a You don't want to go shop your current salary to other companies and then be like, look, I got these much higher offers, right? Yeah, That's what you're and I get you need to get paid your quote unquote worth. I, need, I, I understand you need to make a level of wage, but at the same time, everybody's so fixated on money. Companies are so fixated on money and pay. Individuals are so fixated on money and pay. Look for the best opportunity. Look for the best opportunity. Yeah. Look for what aligns with where you want to go. Look for what has people that you aspire to be. Look for a company that you walk into the office, you're like, yeah, this is this feels good. I think you need to look for the opportunity. Sure, the pay is important. I understand you probably have a family to feed. And if you don't, stop worrying about the pay. <laughs> I tell this to my brother all the time. It's like, dude, <laughs> stop. Focus on opportunity. You're in your 20s. Why are you worried about money right now? Why? Mm. I get that there's this pressure to go buy a house, an American dream, and, oh, I'm going to get married, whatever. But at the same time, it's your 20s are when you should just full send on opportunity. And, hey, this was great. I learned a lot, but not the best. Let's go on to the next path. Let's go on to the next path. Let's go on to the next one. In an effort to get further, closer to where you ultimately want to be, not just hopping around aimlessly, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So- I think the good companies raising everybody across the board because that's a very quick way to poison the well if you are paying new people more than existing people very quickly to poison the well. And I've actually heard of that happening quite a bit lately. Really? I, with companies too, would understand that raising wages itself is a temporary solution. That is not a permanent solution whatsoever. And human beings ultimately are not just motivated on money. So if you think that is the end game, you're going to be mistaken no matter how much you raise wages. And then on the individual side of things, I think it's important to, I, I get, find the opportunity that fits for your living situation, but look for the opportunity, look for the potential, look for greatness. Don't just look at the wage. The wage should be the last thing you look at, honestly. It's like, is the wage like enough to cover your life? And then like, what else really matters to you? Yeah. And if, especially if you're in your 20s, eat some shit, man. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. It's crazy how many people in their 20s are so bogged down by pay. Pay doesn't matter. It doesn't. That's your opportunity. You're free. You're free. You probably don't have a family. You probably don't have a house. You probably don't have all these obligations. You're free to just go try shit. Yeah. You're free to go experiment. You're free to go, yeah, I'm going to just, I've always wanted to do that. So I'm just going to send it for a little bit. Ah, that didn't work out. Okay, great. Now on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. You're free to go try different things to go find out what you really should be doing. So take that opportunity. But so many people get locked into the money game day one, and then that's where they sit the rest of their life. And honestly, if you get locked in the money game day one, that's actually it's counterintuitive because you get so focused on money. You're not focused on how can I be as effective for this organization as I possibly can. And you, you end up not making as much money as you probably could if you found the right role for your natural gifts and abilities, develop the hell out of that at a fantastic company. Yeah, You're going to make a lot more money in that situation. 
as opposed to just like trying to nickel and dime every single well. If I, maybe I get this certification, then well, they got to pay me an extra dollar an hour. Yeah. Or if it, you know, it's like you can do that, I guess. But if that's all just about the money and not the ability to do stuff, develop that's yourself. It. That's it. And it's like I, I don't, I don't talk about it a lot anymore publicly from like a pay standpoint. But I didn't pay myself for two years for the for, in the first two years of the company. Yeah. Right now, I don't pay myself all that much. I could pay myself many times more what I make right now. And it would be in line with where I where I should be. Yeah. But I don't because I would just go buy dumb shit with that money. <laughs> and I'm looking at the big picture. I'm looking at the real opportunity, which is in the future. So I'm able to delay the gratification and say, hey, yeah, OK, great. I can't go buy that new gun right now. But that's OK, because that money is going to be much better off doing what it needs to do within the company than within my savings account, within my checking account, within a boat I'm going to go buy. So it's delaying the gratification. Yeah. I feel like you need to do that just with your career in general, not just money. That's an interesting thought about not just money, but like the delayed gratification of your career. One thing that you said that kind of got my wheels spinning, you were, you were talking a little bit about loyalty. A healthy version of loyalty is reciprocal, right? Yes. It, it doesn't really matter if I'm really loyal to an employer. They don't give a shit about me. Like They're like, oh, great. This guy is not going to leave no matter what we do. And so I, I think like an important part of that conversation is if you're able to build real loyalty with an employer, with a, a fantastic company, like that's how you start to kind of like develop that career while where you then start making, you know, more money without like focusing on the money thing. You know, it's if, if that relationship is really, really strong, that's when those other pieces kind of fall into place. Yeah, and when Cameron Haynes, he was talking about, he got to a point where he's like, I need to get paid for, I'm, I'm way underpaid for what I'm doing for this company. So they came back and they're like, okay, we'll double it. And I'm like, no, 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 I want four times. And they said, sure, that's the position you should be in. Yeah, You should be so damn valuable that when you say, I need more money, they're willing to give you they're whatever. Like, how much you want. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, obviously within reason, but that is what you should be striving for as an individual. How do you do that? How do you build loyalty as an individual? You just do what you say you're going to do. You just do a good job. You just listen. You think. You ask good questions. You show up every single day on time. You have a good attitude. It's pretty damn simple. You really just are consistent. That's really it. It's just consistency. Mm -hmm. Trust is just consistent action over time. That's all it is. And then from a company standpoint, companies need to understand most everybody is really jaded right now from a trust standpoint because they've been at all these companies that there's yeah. no trust whatsoever. So the company needs to lead and say, I'm going to trust you before I expect you to trust me. And that's the only way to start that process of earning that trust. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I can't just say it. I actually legitimately have to show you that I trust you. And that might be uncomfortable for people that have never been trusted by an employer before, which is a lot of people. Yeah. But those barriers start to break down and that becomes the norm. And then you have a really great organization and the individual starts to trust you in return. And you start to build that mutual relationship, mutual trust, mutual understanding. And you can build some really amazing things when that happens. Mm -hmm. But it starts with the company. I think this entitlement mentality that these companies have just because they hand out money means that they deserve everybody's loyalty is a, a, failing, a failing mentality. That's not taking ownership of the situation. And that's, I don't think, going to win long term. Well, I think when you, I've often thought 
the types of companies who are like, well, we're paying you for the work. It feels like they they are kind of on the wrong foot in terms of what the trade for <clears throat> goods and services is. Like, no, I, I, I'm fulfilling the thing to you by producing. You're fulfilling your promise to me by paying me for my production. And then the conversation starts about trust. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's an important part of what you're talking about, where the company, you know, needs to do the trusting first before, like, they expect the, that trust, that loyalty back. Because if it's, well, we're, we're already paying you, so we deserve your loyalty now. Like, that doesn't really make sense in the world. No. But no. I can see how a lot of companies would do that. It's like, well, we're paying you, so now we get whatever we want from you. But it's, it's I don't want people to think, too, it's just like, like, employers are at the whim of whatever people want. It's, you know, we've had salary conversations where this is what I want. I'm like, if that's what you want, here are the expectations. And if the expectations aren't met, we're going to have a discussion about mm-hmm. that. And then the person's like, oh, wow. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. But you, you call them up to that level. Okay, mm-hmm. great. You think that's what you're worth? We'll find out. So show me. Yeah. But amazingly enough, when you challenge somebody, most of the time they're going to rise to the occasion. They're going to meet that challenge with, yeah, hey, I told you I'm worth that much. I'm not going to be proven wrong. So I'm going to go bust my ass. And if they're not, you can get rid of them. I know employers have a lot of pressure right now to go perform and keep their businesses afloat. But at the same time, they're starting to tolerate lower and lower and lower standards, which then just erodes the entire business. (laughs) And it's it's only it's 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 a bad place to be. It's a bad place to be because they're tolerating things they shouldn't be tolerating. But they keep taking on more work and more work and more work and they have to fill demand. So they have no choice but to just put people in seats. Yeah. With no intentionality behind it. If I'm a laborer or operator that hasn't been around for 10, 15 years, based on the conversations you have, because, you know, we've said before, you have a lot of conversations with folks in the industry. You're seeing a lot of job sites, hearing a lot of perspectives. Based on kind of the conversations you've had over the years, what are like the mechanics of asking for more money as like somebody in the field? This like if if I'm producing and like showing value. Is it like, okay, you need to produce more now that we pay? Like, is it as, is it that kind of like direct? I'm just, I'm curious. Like if you've, say you've been an operator for like one year and you're, they're like pleased with your work. You just say, I'm, see, I've been a good operator for a year. Now you should pay me more. I would just uh, have the conversation, but going into that conversation, you should be like, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror. I am worth 120% of what I'm going to be asking for. If you can't look yourself in the mirror and honestly say that to yourself, I would go back to work. That's it. Yeah. But if you can honestly say that and it's gotten to a point where, hey, we had this conversation six months ago. This is what they told me. They said if I was going to if I delivered, here's where I would be. That was a rational conversation. I go back to them and say, hey, I have fulfilled my end of the bargain. This is what I want. I very I really, really doubt they're going to get told no if they're worth it. Yeah. And that requires a lot of self-reflection. It's it's hard to be like, I think I'm doing a really, really good job. And I feel good about this. Let's go see what my boss says. Yeah, but you you know, yeah. you know if you're delivering or not. You know it. You know it. Um, and and if you don't, you got some real work to do because yeah. you should know. Well said. Great question, Joel. That's that's a pretty fascinating topic. Uh, last question. From and if Jay- they and yeah. if they say no, then you know the follow up question would be, okay, so if I want to be here, what can I do to get there? What can I do? How can I create a pathway there? And if they tell you to go fuck yourself, 
well, maybe go find somewhere else to work if you've been busting your ass again. Or maybe, you know, check your ego. Well, do they have a point? Yeah, have I really not been working as hard as I should be? Like, could I be doing better? Oh, yeah, maybe I could be doing better. And maybe that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Or ideally, they say, okay, yeah, here's exact, here's what we need. And then you can go out and do what you need. And then a few months later, you have the same conversation, present the facts, indisputable. That culture of feedback, man. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. Uh, Next question from James. Uh, James Devinney has been on the Dirt Talk podcast, actually. That I've been very intrigued by your Europe talk, and I was curious to know if European construction companies are having the same people problems as us. Also, what are some things they're doing right now that companies here are not typically doing? I talked to them about people a little bit. It didn't seem, uh, I think people is always going to be a challenge within the blue collar world in a developed nation, but it wasn't as significant because it's a little bit more built into their education system. Mm -hmm. So college isn't as much of a business over there as it is here. It's a business in the United States. In Europe, it's more of a public good. And so there's blue collar pathways built into and trade schools built into the traditional educational pathways. So like at Lee Bear, they bring these kids in and there's a three-year dedicated program on teaching them how to effectively assemble equipment before they ever assemble equipment. Three years of training. So it's, it's just a little bit more ingrained in this system. And that's where I think we're getting in trouble is we're just, the system is a little rigged against us. Yeah. Which sucks for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's in everybody's best interest to have strong infrastructure. And yet we've designed the system to maximize people going to college for the sake of dollars, essentially. And there is good in education. I get that. But you have to look at it from a system standpoint. There's a clear incentive for people to go to college. And when you follow the money, it starts to be pretty obvious that, yeah, this is really about money at the end of the day. And call me jaded or whatever, but it's like, you know, you just look at the facts. Like they, we, there was a bill, part of the bill was for, for reconciliation, make community college free. Okay, that sounds good. It was shut down. Who was it shut down by? By traditional four-year colleges. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to ask yourself, why, w- why would they not want people to go to college? Why would they not want people to go to college for free? Well, because it takes, takes money away from them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they want people to go to college for money. Yeah, and then they just have this unlimited stream of money from the federal government that's willing to give out whatever federal student loans you want. It's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy messed up world. So I think they don't have as dramatic of a problem from what I saw, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But from what I saw, they don't have as dramatic of a problem, especially in a place like Germany, because it's a little bit more designed into the education system, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Was there anything that stood out that like, were some problems that you kind of saw just like industry-wide in, in Europe? Similar to like, you know, we, we talk about the people problem in America. Did they seem to have, well, like the people problem, or the people thing's okay, but it's really here's the thing we, we worry about more here. Um, I don't know if I, I mean, I wasn't having a lot of those conversations over there. Sure. Honestly, it was more so about methods and just seeing what they do. I wasn't meeting with business owners, for example, True. like I do over here. And, and so I didn't really have those conversations. I, 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 so I don't know if I could even comment something like that. But 
I think they need to be a lot more thoughtful because the whole public thing, like they can't be disrupting people. They can't be doing stupid things for the sake of construction demolition. They have to be really thoughtful and really, really meticulous over there because there's a lot more rules when it comes to building in an urban environment. Mm -hmm. Were there any, uh, well, I guess I made a follow on with the, the second question he said, and he said, are there some things that those companies over there are, are doing right that um, maybe companies here typically are not doing? I think everybody over there is a lot more profitable and specialized because Again, I think it goes back to the system. The system in the United States is a little bit rigged against contractors because it's all a low bid environment. And even when it's not, it's typically pretty adversarial. Like, fuck you, you know, subcontractor. Yeah. It's, 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 or fuck you, GC, or fuck you, DOT, or well, it, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of just butting heads and egos, which doesn't do anybody any good. Whereas over there, it seemed a lot more collaborative. Let's help each other out build stuff. Let's all share in the burden of this project and the liability associated with it. Like the contracts that a lot of GCs make sub-sign nowadays, they're crazy one-sided. They're so crazy one-sided about how you basically have all of the risk and we don't have the risk. Well, it's like, so then why, like, how are you able to make any money on this if everybody else is taking on the risk and you're not? Yeah. Then where's the value being created? So I, I think over there it was just the system was designed to be a little bit more cooperative and friendly for everybody involved. Whereas over here, I feel like everybody's just trying to get their piece of the pie, yeah. which drives margins down, which then doesn't give you enough to invest in workforce and equipment and innovation technology and all of the things that were far behind them. Do so I don't think it's like Americans fault. I don't yeah, think it's yeah. business owners fault. I think people take it personally, like especially on LinkedIn. I was like, I talked about how Americans would do a demolition with a 336 and a thumb. And then in Switzerland, they'd have a specialty built 336 or 340 with a VA boom, tilting cab, water, water suppression, different tools, oil quick, GPS. They have all of the bells and whistles imaginable in this machine. Twice as expensive as a machine with a thumb. Yeah. Same machine, just not purposely built for demolition. And they, they take it personally and they're like, well, but who would do it faster and who do it cheaper? And, this? and it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> really? Like, really? And it's not about them not being good at business or what they do. It's just about, I think, the system over there allows a company like Eberhard to do that. Whereas in the United yeah. States, I don't want to make an excuse for everybody because I think there's a lot more on the table than contractors in the States, you know, take advantage of. But at the same time, I think the system's a little rigged. Do you think that from like a society perspective, this sort of like infrastructure work is a little more like an inaccepted part of like day-to-day -day life for people who aren't doing it? Like, it's just like when they're in the city, like, yeah, of course, they're they're probably fixing this bridge this this month and then the next. Or is it because I, I, I feel like there is a can be a stigma here in the States where it's like if there's construction, this is just extremely inconvenient for me. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, is does that seem to be the same attitude? Because like you, you talked about there was one project where you went where there was like spectators who were just like, this is cool. And I'm on my way to school or I'm on my way to work. And I just mm -hmm. want to watch this for a while. That seems. Probably not as common here. 
there were spectators and then there were people that worked for the overall company doing the project with kids out on the job site in <laughs> high vis and PPE wow. showing the kids the job site. Yeah. And that was just culturally speaking, way different. Hmm. Yeah. No one would be standing around just, I mean, maybe every so often, but it was like a crowd of a hundred people there and then a bunch of little kids on a demolition site. And it was normal. Yeah. No one had, you know, even bat an eye about it. So, I, I, again, I, I have such a limited sample size that I don't want to paint. I've already painted with too broad of a brush sure. on most I, everything I've said on Europe. <laughs> uh, but I don't want to keep doing that until I have a little bit more data. Sure. Well said. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting, and again, like you said, this is only based on a handful of companies. And um, obviously, you, you probably had... You had a lot of conversations while you were there and, and since, certainly. Um, but I, I do find it interesting like that even having been to, you know, who knows how many job sites in the States over the last four years, five years. But even comparing all of that experience to like 10 days in Europe, it's like, wow, so many of these things were already different. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty fascinating. So I think it'll be fun for when you go and later this year to be like, okay, my assumptions and the conclusions that I drew pretty sound or if it's like oh it turns out no that was actually pretty unique um so i, I think that's going to be an interesting i won't say shift of perspective but kind of a reset of your perspective a little bit because i mean that if if there's lessons that can be learned in another country that we can like bring back to what we're trying to do here at build like of course that's great well that's what chase i mean to to, to prove that it's not out of our reach chase stutzman he went over there stutzman i might i might have been saying his name wrong this whole time chase stutzman I should have probably, I was just with him the other day. I asked him, what's the proper way to say your last name? But he's up in Aspen and he went over to Switzerland to go see how they do demolition so that he can take what they do back to his demolition company. I saw his company. He's doing some of the most innovative things I've seen as a contractor. Crazy, crazy clever. Some of the stuff he's doing yeah. because he's learned it from over there. And he said, I can't afford not to do this. And this is going to make my company more profitable as we continue to go and grow. So yeah, I'm going to make the investment. He's made the investment and it's paying off significantly. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, well, James, thanks for reaching out with that question. I would just want to say to the listeners, the questions have been awesome. Mm -hmm. Like specifically, there's just been a lot of really thoughtful, even kind of like pretty open questions that are sent that are, you know, we've, we've kind of made the joke a little bit about like, you know, some people, you know, we're asking them, what's your favorite piece of equipment early on? Great. Super fun. Mm -hmm. But like that, we're also getting like, I'm in this kind of like tricky predicament at work. What does it look like for me to say this versus this? Or like, you know, does that make sense for me to feel this way based on, you know, a lot of conversations that you've had? So I, I, I love that we're, we're getting more and more diversity in the questions we're getting. I think it's, it's makes this fun for me for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to just answer them from my perspective. Yeah. I'm trying to do less of... Here's what you should do. Here's what you should do, because yeah. it's just like, huh? Uh, uh, makes, me, makes me feel icky that I've done enough of that. I'm, I'm doing better. I'm trying trying to do my best. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for sending in great questions. If you have any other questions, send them in to dirttalk at buildwit.com. Check out the vlog on YouTube by searching Aaron Witt or Buildwit. And we'll see you on the next episode. Until then, stay dirty.